We will go into detail, won't we? That was Madness with the song Drip Fed Fred. It's a great song. I enjoy it. It's ska. I mean, who doesn't like ska? So we were talking about this is a Fuck You Friday. It's a free-for-all. We actually have decent recording equipment for the first time in the history of ever. How long have we been trying to get this act together? Um, I would probably say the past four or five months. Yeah, and you know, this is the most success we had, and <laughs> I have some IT guys at work that helped me set it up because I was playing with it this morning, and I literally couldn't get it to, uh, I couldn't get it to turn on, I, or you know, to work, to do anything, and it turns out that I had the plugs reversed because I'm a moron and I don't know what I'm doing. Apparently, I can't operate something this simple, uh, so I don't know how I drive a car so successfully over all this time, but anyway... So this is a Fuck You Friday. Um, you have a story for us that you want to talk about. We're not, we don't really, we're not big fans of uh, police brutality. I really don't like the police at all, but especially when it comes to them abusing their power. Uh, and uh, if you have something for us, why don't you tell us about it? Yeah, so this story comes from coplock.org, and it was published on November 7th of 2019 by Ian Freeman. And the title is School Resource Officer Who Tackled Student Also Killed Man in 2010. Over the last several days, the video and story about Keene High's school resource officer, Joshua English, attacking and tackling a student for allegedly vaping in the school's bathroom has gone viral. However, there's more to the story than than cop attacks team. Although this incident alone is bad enough, in case you haven't heard about this incident, according to other students, the young man who was viciously attacked by Englishmen was vaping in the bathroom and English confronted him. The student heroically refused to identify himself to the armed, intimidating, uniformed man and walked out of the bathroom. Moments later, English bursted out of the bathroom and tackled the peaceful student, subduing him with a shocking level of force. Thankfully, another brave student pulled out their phone upon hearing a commotion from inside the bathroom and captured the entire tackling scene on video. Understandably, many are outraged at the officer's use of force over a simple vaping incident, but that's not really what caused English to fly into a violent rage. The young victim's real crime was disobedience. The youth had the gall to act as though he were a free man walking away from a threatening, potentially violent, anti-nicotine nuisance and attempting to go about his day. English was the authority to worry about and can't possibly be seen by others as someone who would just walk away from with walk away from without consequence so he used violence to dominate the young man in front of a crowd of people. Keene police have been making headlines nationwide for proclaiming that English was fully within police guidelines for his use of force against the subject. Yes, that's actually how they refer to the rest of us non-gang members. 
Keene Police Chief Steve Russo exonerated English in a recent release saying that his agent had not violated any department guidelines or state statutes, but Russo said further that English was worried about the young man and he was a potential trespasser claiming to the union's leader. At that point, he didn't even know he was a student. That the whole story? No, it continues, but I mean, it's we get the we get the gist. Yeah. So what do you what do you make of that? I mean, who do you think is right and who do you think is wrong here? I mean, I don't think I don't think the police should be able to. I don't think the police should be able to just go ahead and tackle anybody just because they want to. Especially a child. Well, yeah, I mean, a child or anybody. Like, I don't think. If I can't touch you, yeah, like that, sure. Then you can't touch me like that, and I don't care what kind of job you have. You know, if I'm harming somebody, it may be one thing. If that person, and even a a non you know police officer, they could, you know, if they wanted to, stop me from hurting somebody right like they could take it upon themselves to decide okay well this isn't right and i'm going to help the person that this young lady seems to be harming so i'm going to throw myself in harm's way to assist somebody who clearly needs assistance so it's one thing if you have to do something in order to save somebody's life but just to tackle somebody because they're not listening to you that's not okay it's never been okay it it doesn't matter if you're a police officer or you're not a police officer you can't just do those things to people just because you want to to in order to gain compliance that's not okay ever no i agree with you and you know this whole this whole issue that we have with the vaping uh um, my kid had a, had a um, there was like some sort of drug raid that happened, which used to happen when I was in high school, you know, uh, 22 years ago now. Uh, that's when we first started getting them was my senior year in high school. And uh, it was quite an intimidating thing. And they only ever found like a little bit of grass here and there. There was no powders, no acid, nobody had any alcohol in the car. And I mean, this this wasn't the south side of Chicago. I mean, this is a small town and somewhere in Ohio but nonetheless you know they never found like we, when you hear it of a raid happening first of all yeah you think that they're looking for something a lot bigger the idea that I find hilarious is this continuous war that they that, that they proclaim is for the safety of, of kids and keeping them drug free and stuff like that well then <laughs> I remember being able to score grass from a dealer that was another kid that got it from another dealer when I was 13. It wasn't hard. It's never been hard to access those drugs. Then you throw in this whole thing where we're locked in a room and everybody's scared to death and now they go after people who have tobacco products like dip or cigarettes or black and milds or now in this case vapor cartridges. It seems like a big waste of taxpayers dollars. I mean, the, the waste alone on, on public schooling, uh, that's besides the point. But using law enforcement 
to go in there and show their authority and flex their authority and you know bust kids and potentially ruin their futures because they like to smoke with cigarettes or if they like to smoke a little dope here and there or vape or whatever the hell their poison of choice is. I can't tell you how many kids drank regularly because alcohol has always been the most accessible abused substance because it's legal at a point. It's legal for adults to buy it, and if the adults have it at home, like, I mean, I'm not the only one who ever filled the liquor bottles with water because we drank them after school. And this is when we were kids. So when they go in there, when a resource officer, a bonded police officer, any kind of person goes in there and manhandles a child, I think we have to take a really strong look at the culture that we're, that, that, that we're living in right now. And, uh, and not too many people do because they've been trained through 15,000 hours of public education for the most part, that they have to bend the knee to authority and that that kid is wrong. Should even uh, vaping in the bathroom? Okay, yeah, school grounds probably say that that's frowned upon. I also smoked in the bathroom in high school. Shouldn't have done that. If we got caught, we would have gotten detention or what have you, or maybe we got in-school suspension or something stupid like that. But there wasn't a threat of violence. There's no need for that. And that's the kind of kid that ends up going back to the school and hurting people because it's like, you know what, fuck you. I'm going to really let you have it now. Um, And what website was that from? Copblock.org. Okay. Well, we thank the good people at copblock.org. I think, think, in fact, you introduced me uh, to them when they were warning people of uh, DUI checkpoints ahead um, and uh, filming DUI checkpoints. I always thought that that was nice. That's a... That's a good service for the people, friend of the people, so we appreciate them. The thing that drives me crazy about those checkpoints is that they lie to you in regards to um, why they're doing the checkpoints. So, like, I remember I had to go through one, and it was when I got off work, and it was really late, and I was working second shift, and I actually got confused because I thought the officer, like, was telling me to, like, pull over to the side so I went to go pull to the side and he said no no go through but you know he'd asked me where I had been coming from and I said you know I just got off work you know we're working overtime mandatory etc um and he told me that he was that they were looking for somebody you know like a fugitive yeah but he because it it was kind of like a weird place there was like no bars around right there so who could they be potentially looking for in this case? I wonder. I mean, that's. I mean, if that's your cover story, that's fine. But what are you going to do about it? Are you going to question them? Are you going to say, well, who are you looking for? What is this about? I mean, the average person is just going to try to get through their days with min- with the minimal amount of damage possible. So to say that, what's the point of saying that? I don't know. And I thought about it, and I think it was because there was a long line of cars, um, you know, coming from my place of employment at the time. And he probably asked, you know, every single one of them, like, hey, you know, where are you coming from? What you doing? And all of them said, oh, I work right down the street from here. And oh, we had mandatory overtime. So it's like 1.30 in the morning at this point. That's possible. You know, and I think that like, eventually he would have, you know, come to the conclusion that us co-workers would probably talk about oh hey what was that bullshit with the cops pulling us over last night oh what do you say to you oh they were looking for somebody because 
at that point, it's like, well, your DUI checkpoint's a fucking bust because all you're getting is a bunch of workers off, you know, getting off work at right. second shift. You know, right. now you look like a fucking schmuck. So I don't know, maybe. No, I think I think that's a good point. Um, so what else do we got on here? I wanted to talk to you about something because you're far more educated than I am on the topic. What is the deal with people and talking about serial killers? And the reason why I ask you is, you you know that I had a dear friend of mine whose sister was raped and murdered behind a now non-existent mall in the area was one of the biggest malls in the world at the time. Uh, she's, you know, she, her killer was on death row longer than she was alive. Uh, I don't understand the, like I, I get, I, I, I don't know, maybe people like you know, the, the macabre is so attractive because they want to understand how people come to this point where they're, you know, in, 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 you know, how they, how they get to wanting to murder people or cannibalize them or torture them or whatever the case may be. I mean, I'm a political scientist, so I'm pretty good at, you know, watching large groups of people torture other people. It's called governments, but I don't know, maybe you could educate me on what is the big deal here? Why do people love serial killer stuff? What is so attractive about that? Because what I think is lost on a lot of people that are into these stories uh, is you 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 forget about the victims and the victims' families and the people that got to buy caskets and burial plots because this person went fucking ape shit or you know wanted to dismember them or torture them what have you. I think a lot of that's lost, and I'm not understanding what people's infatuation is with the topic. So maybe you could shed a little light on there. I mean that's that's been on my mind for a little bit because there's a you know we have a um, we have friends of the podcast who do their own. Uh, true crime podcast, and uh, I, I'm, I'm, I mean, listen to each their own. If they, if you're interested in that, that's fine. I just don't understand why. So maybe you could lend a little bit of, of of knowledge. You could give us a little bit of insight as to what, in your experience, is the reason why people like that topic. Well, the reason why I like that topic is because I'm very interested in how the human mind works. I wanted to be a um, psychiatrist. Um, as well as a lawyer, but, you know, psychiatry was pretty high up there for me because human behaviors and how your brain works and things like that have always fascinated me. Um, if somebody has a traumatic brain injury, you know, their, their thoughts about should I do something? Is it risky? It, it kind of becomes non-existent because their frontal lobe is damaged at that point because of the brain injury that they sustain. So it takes away that fear and they are much more likely to do risky behaviors. Um, serial killers, their brains are different from our brains. Um, they have a lot more activity in a certain section of their brain, which is also located in the frontal lobe section of the brain, which is really interesting. Okay. Um, and their ability to blend in with the rest of the population after they have killed who knows how many people. Okay. You know, right. I mean... They usually, you know, would kill like one person and then maybe like 
not kill anybody for like a couple of months and then they'd kill somebody or, you know, and they can go as, as long as a year in between killings or, or longer. And then they, you know, decide to like start killing people again. So it's just something that is fascinating. Like I said to me, because of the brain activity. Um, I think for other people, it's probably that. And also, I don't think um, they really spend too much time thinking about the victims as much as the horrible acts that this person has committed. And everybody kind of wants to know why. Well, I, I don't have a problem with wanting to know why. I just... It seems to be like there's memes that go around on social media about how on a Friday night, instead of being at the club, they're watching Netflix series on serial killers. I have a hard, it like, Mindhunter was a very good show, right? Because it's based on real history where, you know, for once the FBI decided not to do something completely sinister and terrible, right? And they started profiling these, what was it, uh, Kemper? Uh, the guy out in uh, California that, uh, you know, would, would fucking uh, committed, uh, what the fuck is it called when you have uh, sex with a dead body? What the hell is necrophilia? that? Necrophilia. Yeah, he was a necrophilia, right? He had sex with a dead body and he cut his mom's head off and did, and did all this, you know, really, really terrible shit, like really gross stuff. And in real life, his character, or excuse me, in real life, this person portrayed in this show by this character, who, by the way, they cast that perfectly because it, it really looked like him. I yeah, mean, it they really, did a good job. They did a phenomenal job. And I, I liked his character the most. And I and I didn't like I felt dirty by liking it. Maybe it's because it was so accurate to what happened in real life. But he he helped. He gave them a sincere insight to uh, like you said, the psychology behind what drove him to do the things that he did. Um I appreciate that because maybe it helps you know, stop some of this stuff before it happens. Who knows? I understand the science, the, the scientific uh, fascination with seeing how it's almost like seeing how a machine works, right? Except in this case, the machine is, is very human. It has a, it has, or a lack thereof a conscience, or you know, like you said, there's some pieces missing to the machinery to make it like moral and not wanting to do terrible things to other people. But, you know, I just I, I don't understand how some people can look and watch this stuff and be like sincerely enjoying themselves because I think that I mean teach their own but I, I'm very unsettled by that extremely unsettled by that I don't it, it, the idea that it's you know cool to watch you know you know watch a story on how somebody fucking uh, raped and fucking murdered their way into the history books I don't think it's that great. Now, like you said, if you teach them, I'm not going to tell people what to do. I mean, that runs contrary to what I, to my philosophy and my approach to life. I just don't understand it. Kind of like the flat earth shit. In fact, I wanted to ask you next about that. Is there anything new about flat earth? We were supposed to have you on for a flat earth show because you're the local flat earth expert. So I, is there anything new with the flat earth? Has anybody found Bigfoot yet? Do we know what's happening in the woods? What's hap What's going on? Fill us in. Okay, so as far as I know, there isn't anything new with flat Earth other than space quite possibly may or may not be real because they can't prove anything. 
You mean like the vacuum of space? Just space in general. Like you can Google it. Like I, I stopped because I couldn't deal with the fact that. So like, I think I've explained this to you before. Um, but when you actually like Eddie Bravo, like say, quote, look into yeah, it, look right? into it, look into it, go down to the library. I don't know if anybody talks about this aspect, but last night, cause like periodically I check into space weather to see what's going on. I don't understand it. I can read it and like say, okay, I think I know what that means. Can you elaborate on what you mean by space weather? So the geomagnetic storms, the solar flares, um, and things like that, that, uh, cosmic rays, radiation that comes from space that, you know, filters down everywhere but okay. you know, filters down to earth right? right so like the van allen radiation belt is earth's magnetic shield basically and it protects us from a myriad of things but the most important thing that it protects us from is the sun's rays and solar flares and things like that because if that wasn't there we just get fried you know, to your point about the flares, I don't know if, uh, is it a different, what's the difference between a flare and, uh, and, and ejection? The ejection, I've, the pictures that I've seen of the ejection, I don't know if it's the same. The flare, I might be different, but it's like an arc of fire. It looks like an arc of, of lava, let's say. I mean, it's, cause I, whatever the fuck is on the surface of it, molten, whatever, nickel or whatever sun yeah, is made of. I don't know, I don't know what, what it's called, but it looks like a, big fountain of fire right it does and they took to scale and you could pass the planet earth through this thing oh yeah so oh, definitely the power of the sun i mean first of all like we see it in the sky it warms our planet and it provides it's the, it's the life giver right it really is without it i mean it's there's nobody here but this thing is is fucking massive and it's not even the biggest star that we know of it's no. it's quite actually a medium-sized star no. So the yeah. power that it has on our weather has to be phenomenal. But now the flat earth people don't believe they believe how far is the sun away from, from our planet? Um, I, I don't want to get this wrong, but I believe they say it was either 3000 or 6,000 miles away. Like I think it was 3000. So significantly closer than what scientists have calculated the distance to be. Correct. Yes. Okay. Just making sure. Yeah. Same with the moon. They think it's like the same, <laughs> distance away and it's you know basically kind of like hanging over you um like a chandelier like a chandelier yeah that's okay. the best way i can describe no it. that that works perfect i uh or a spotlight or a helicopter with light hanging over you you know so recent news and this ties into the flat earth uh wasn't the fuck uh the, the fuckhead that just took a steam-powered rocket and fucking did a Peter Pan into the desert oh, floor. Yeah, He's I, a flat earther, isn't he? Yeah, I thought you meant like uh, recent news as in any. Oh, no. Any, I'll take any flat. I mean, it, it's entertaining, but frustrating. But I, that Dingleberry was front and center because he just fucking offed himself with this stupid steam powered rocket that he was supposed to go up in the air to prove the rest of us wrong, wasn't he? Yeah, so he did a test run originally and he like really messed up his back because um, of the way that he landed. And the second time around, um, they think that he was knocked out upon takeoff 
because he did not deploy any of the parachutes to okay, stop I understand himself now. from, you know, just plummeting straight to the earth. And I don't know. I read some article stating that he really didn't think that um, the earth was flat. He was just like an enthusiastic person who wanted people to get out and explore and do things. And he wanted to basically put a rocket into space using steam power, as opposed to what we currently use, which is a massive amount of fuel. So he was trying to do new things and he kind of latched onto flat earth for publicity. He didn't actually believe in the flat earth. Oh, wow. So I thought here, I thought he was supposed to go up in the air to tell us that uh, he can see that there's no curvature to the earth. No, no. He he latched onto it for publicity and ho and hopes that people would fund his ideas and his projects. Did so, it work? I don't think so. No, I didn't look very much more into it. Because like I said, like, I mean, once you know how things work and what people have done to, you know, progress and actually go into space and how space works and if it was all a conspiracy and it, it wasn't real then the NOAA space weather wouldn't indicate the things that they indicate like they they keep an eye on everything they keep an eye on everything sure because all it takes is a solar flare or a massive coronial ejection right was it coronal? Is that how you say it? Isn't it coronal? Coronal. coronal I don't know. I'm not, a, I'm not an astrophysicist. I don't know anything about to it. To come out of the sun and we're all fucked. Oh, yeah. The power grid goes down. Like Life as you currently know it ceases to operate. They have like literally they communicate with the people that run the power grids about the space weather. Like, it's not a joke. You know what I mean? Like, it's, sure. it's serious business. And, like, the amount of money and time dedicated into calculating all of this stuff down to, you know, the very last minuscule detail. And for somebody to just, you know, kind of poo-poo it away, I can't. I can't deal. And then that's like the sun is a uh, simulation and all like airplanes or holograms. They're not real. I just, I can't deal with it. <laughs> you know, like, especially knowing, not actually knowing how it works, but like being able to read something and understand it to the point where like, okay, that makes sense. But I couldn't recreate it. No, of course not. You know, so like, I don't know. I just find it very rude of other people to not. I, I, I think that that's fair to call it rude. Uh, I don't uh, I don't know how it got this far. Uh, I don't know who I would like to blame except for that. What was that guy that had the, the, that doesn't believe that dinosaurs exist? What was his name again? Uh, his name is Eric Bay. He's the same flat earther guy, you know, uh, that was touting. He was really big into the flat earth and. All he did was just reiterate the same shit that people reiterated. I think it was like in the 1800s, some guy, you know, came up with like a hundred proofs or something like that, that the earth is flat. Um, 
And it all started from that story where there was a guy who said, no, the earth is flat. And the guy's like, no, I'll prove it to you. You have to pay me a certain amount of money. Um, if I win, you know, I'm going to put poles at so many, you know, feet, feet across evenly. And then you'll be able to tell if there's a curve, you know, because of the distance and, and all of this. And so like he technically won the bet, but he never got paid the money, you know, because he proved that the earth was round, you know, doing the, like the distance and the pole and, you know, was all this the, was this the Greek story? from antiquity or that was different no, wasn't that was it? different okay yeah and this was more of a modern story this yeah this was like 1800s 19 like maybe like late 1800s or like early 1800s something along i don't remember the exact date but it was like but it was in the 19th century yes okay all right i just I, i'm just checking in periodically i don't know if they came up with something new uh to get back to rocket man not trump's rocket man but uh the mojave desert rocket man uh r.i.p in peace as our friend Michael says, what in the world possesses anybody to think that they could build, a, they themselves, not the stupid government with unlimited uh, taxpayer funds, but themselves, a rocket that is steam powered that can get to space? I, I, how much water? I would like, you know what? I wish we had a mathematician to tell us how much water would need to be converted to steam. To send um, the smallest satellite rocket, you know, the one that carries a satellite. I'd like to know how much water would be required to generate enough steam to push that fucker out of our atmosphere and into the vacuum of space. Because I, I, I don't think it's possible. Right, and then you have to figure out how's it going to get back. Because like, oh no 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 we're gonna go Soviet style you're fucking staying up there comrade yeah, you're like, never well that's probably what would have happened <laughs> right you know um. I don't know. And like, then you get into like how much something weighs, you know, and it is water more dense at that point than the fuel that we use currently. I, I, I don't know. It's a great question. I haven't looked into it. I could look into it, but I didn't look into that. Um, but I mean, those rockets are massive. Like you see it on TV and you're like, yeah, that's huge. Right. Until you actually see it in scale, like I've never seen one in person. I've only seen one on TV and it's like. Like we're talking Apollo mission rockets. Yeah. Yeah. That's not a joke, man. No. That, that's that's serious business. That's no. a big fucking rocket. Neil Armstrong almost died on Earth several times trying to get this lunar landing correctly and, and, and land it properly and take off and I. Like, there's actual video of him, like, you know, jumping out of this thing, parachuting out of it as it's, like, crash landing. And then it, like, just explodes. And, you know, he narrowly escapes with his life. Like, I mean. Wow, I didn't even know that. Yeah. he, And then the people before them, like, before, you know, Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin and that other guy that everybody. Michael Collins. Michael Collins. Yeah, mm -hmm. everybody forgets his name. Um, they caught on fire. Yeah, they died trapped in that thing, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like what a way to go. People have literally sacrificed their lives in order to achieve what we consider, you know, the greatest achievement of all time of mankind sure. and it, and that is to go to fucking space. Sure. And these people disrespect it. I think that that's fair. How about the uh I mentioned the Soviet style. 
I don't know which show was. I don't know if you, I don't know if you saw it where the uh, these amateur uh, Italian uh, radio enthusiasts uh, during the space race uh, caught audio of a cosmonaut. Yes, I know what you're talking about. I forget it. It was on the Science Channel. It was hosted by Peter Weller, I think it was, mm -hmm. and uh, and it was a female cosmonaut. And she was burning to death as she was coming back to the atmosphere. And she was cursing everybody for allowing this to happen to her. I, I, You know what's a good question? If you could look it up after you're done doing whatever it is that you're doing over there. Find out if the fucking dog is still up there. Lakia or Lakia. Or, I think it's Lakia, isn't it? I forget how they pronounce the poor dog's name. Isn't that dog still up there floating around as part of the space junk? Like that, that dog stayed up there. There's no fucking way they did, but that dog is a space dog. I think so. Yeah. Um. I was just looking up the name of that show if I could find it. Um, Isn't it Dark Matters? It, it might have been. I don't. I don't remember. And I was trying to find it, but uh, he did a lot of stuff. So let's see. I think it was called Dark Matters. Yeah, probably. Yeah, I think it was. I can't find it. Either He's way. Peter Weller was in a lot of things. Yeah, he was. But yeah, I, that, that one always uh, that one always got to me. Uh, and then the dog being left up in space. It's, they made such a big deal. Because I think they put a dog up first and then we put a monkey up. Or it was the other way around. Either way, we both, one of, we put monkeys up there and then they put it, and, and they're the ones who put the dog up there. No, she died. So they brought her back? No, she died. So, this is just re reading quickly. Decades later, several Russian sources revealed that Lackia survived in orbit for four days and then died when the cabin overheated. According to other sources, severe overheating and death of the dog occurred only five or six hours into the admission. Oh, okay. Sputnik 2 batteries died on November 3rd. And then it cuts off because then I have to click on the actual article. No, that's fine. So they did leave the dog up there. Yes. Okay. I just uh, I wanted to uh, make sure that I understood. So uh, we had we had been chatting before, and uh, we'll leave this as our last item on our uh, Happy Fuck You Friday. But uh, we had been talking recently about um, some of the stuff that you were looking into regarding missing people. And obviously, we don't have a huge amount of time to cover the vastness of the topic, but uh, you've been bringing up some interesting maps. So this author, David Politis, or however you pronounce it, I know he's Greek, uh, but he's an, he's an American guy, and he writes the Missing 411 books and dealing with these weird disappearances of people on trails, on you know, mostly in national parks, that uh, people could be right in fr right behind them and right in front of them, and the next minute they disappear without a, without a trace and are never found again, or a pile of clothes is left behind, but there's no there's no indication of trauma, there's no indication of of an animal attack like a bear or a cougar, any kind of mountain lion. So, but to get to the maps as we as we close out here on a fuck you Friday, and you know who we're saying fuck you to? It's not the very few people that listen. What is it that you found that overlays nearly perfectly with all of the disappearances that David has talked about? So other than the uh, Bigfoot sightings, 
And so these cluster maps are basically all along the western coast of the United States into um, Oregon, um, you know, the state of Washington, um, southwest along the coast, and then the east and southeast and the northeast. Um, basically, the plain states are pretty much left untouched as far as these special disappearances goes. Okay. And he has like a data set um, where it's not just, oh, well, they, you know, went up and missing because they wanted to go missing and they killed themselves or like somebody killed them or things like that. It's very specific. And he's also found them. It's not only in the national parks, but it's also in major cities as well where um, he talks about people just randomly disappearing in cities and no trace of them are ever found. And it's these, you know, particular set of circumstances. And, you know, we can get into it on an, another podcast if you'd like, just briefly sure. speaking. Sure. But so basically it lines up with um, lava tubes, mine shafts, um, also, U.S. military bases, in particular, um, U.S. Air Force bases, FBI satellite stations, um, anything that has to do with the government, it's in those same areas. It's really eerie. And so, How like, interesting. And UFO sightings are also in those areas, but those areas are also where our Air Force bases are. Like, so anything that has to do with, like, you know, uh, strategic air force and things like that, like, you know, not just, oh, this is a base where people hang out and, like, you know, sure. learn how to fly and this and that. Like, yeah. You know, testing of equipment and things like that, bases and things like that. Like, that's where all the UFO sightings are. Gee, go figure. I wonder what that's all about. There's, you see all these weird lights and then. Those same areas, there's Bigfoots. You know what I mean? <laughs> Bigfoots. Bigfoot sightings. Plural. Yes. More multiple. than one foot of the big. Very nice. Well, like, you know, there's stories that there's, like, you know, families, the Sasquatches and all. I don't, I don't know what's happening. Okay. That's okay. You know, but. Uh, Do you remember when you first, uh, when we first talked about this, I said to you, I said, you know. Something tells me that the government has something to do with this. Now, the author had frustrated me because the author presents it like I watched some of the videos uh, that you had me watch, and I, you know, the, he, he really builds a compelling story. There's, you're, you're like kind of like sitting there, like, oh shit, this is all very odd. This is all very interesting. How does this happen? And at the end, he kind of fucking edges you. He's jerking you off and jerking you off and jerking you off, and you're about to blow it, and then he lets go, and he doesn't give you what his opinion is on what happened. And for whatever reason, that's fine. I'm not going to criticize him, but I would like to know what he said because immediately since I, since you, everybody, you know how I feel about, you know, who's up to the most, no good in this country, in, in this country, in the world, it's the state. So the first thing I thought of is like, Oh, well, maybe these fuckers are kidnapping uh, these people and experimenting with them or putting them into sex trafficking or, 
whatever the case may be, because they're good at all of that stuff. In fact, they're the world champs of that stuff. Mm -hmm. So the first thing I thought of was, I guess, as a conspiracy theorist, maybe, I, I don't know if that, it, you know, if that's an accurate portrayal, but the first thing I thought of was, wow, you know, I wonder if the, if the G-Man is involved in this. And then lo and behold, you say that these maps overlap with each other really, really, really closely. Mm -hmm. So I thought that that was a very interesting thing. But like you said, we, uh, <laughs> we would need an entire uh, episode, which would be happy to, uh, to, to dedicate to talking about that because it is, like I said, it is a very compelling story about how these people go missing almost out of thin air, um, you know, on a trail uh, with other people. And by other people, I mean, there was one that you were telling me about that was a Boy Scout troop, yeah. an entire Boy Scout troop. And the last Boy Scout, no connection to the film whatsoever with Bruce Willis, uh, the last kid in the, in, the, in the line of people hiking uh, just disappeared, just fucking vanished. Uh, I, I, that one, I, that one kind of stuck with me. Um, and they, they're throughout all the, the, the time period that we're talking about is very large because the stories that David was talking about in these missing 411 stories, don't, doesn't it go back all the way to the turn of the 20th century? Like we're talking the late 19th century. Like, it goes back pretty far. Yeah, I would have to look at, like, the oldest case, but at, like, early 1800s, like, uh, you know, and just some bizarre, weird, like, stories associated with them. And, you know, it's, it's very strange because, yeah, people go missing all the time, right? Sure. Um, sometimes you find them and, you know, sometimes you don't because, like, they've actually been killed and somebody probably buried them successfully and you're never going to find them because you don't know where to look. Yeah, that's a very real possibility. Right. But for the most part, when somebody goes missing under regular circumstances, right, like they just get lost in the wilderness, like it may be a long time, but eventually somebody finds a backpack and they find their bones and they find their clothes and things like that. And then they're like, oh, shit, this person died. Right. Right. You know what I mean? Like, because there isn't any... um you know, injuries onto the bone that indicates they were shot or like, you know, things of that nature, right? Because they could have been stabbed and then, you know, that just erodes away. So they could have been murdered. They could have died of exposure or whatever. But right. You sure. find their bones and their clothes if, if it hasn't been picked away by animals and used for nesting materials and things like that. But you always find their bones. Um, so to find, to like, have a lot of people and have no trace of them whatsoever is that's kind of scary. And it does happen, you know, under normal circumstances. It absolutely happens. Because, I mean, like, the earth can just, like, swallow you up and then close around itself and, like, act like that hole never opened. Right. It's like the sinkhole thing. Yeah. I mean, it's in, in these mine shafts, I don't think people... I don't think there's a, uh, a, a good enough appreciation for just how deadly it could be for someone to fall down a mine shaft. Not so much that you walked into one, but if the ground collapses underneath you or there's a small hole because animals have been burrowing or whatever. And we're talking about younger people, for example, the Boy Scout example that we used, that's not going to take much. For you to disappear down there and then you are caught in literal pitch black. Yeah. And if you don't have a flashlight or a lantern, 
or anything like that. I mean, you are in in serious. Like, I mean, you are. It, 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 it's almost it's almost over. You know, you're. I don't think you think if you were to put percentages to your survival, I mean, it would probably be in the single digits very easily. Yeah. Especially if you, because you know, those wind. They don't follow necessarily a straight trajectory. They could be winding depending on the vein that they're mining, whether it's coal or copper. Or anything like that. So I don't think there's a good enough appreciation for uh, how dangerous that could be. So, um, well, I think that's it for a Fuck You Friday. That was uh, several different topics. I wasn't expecting to get into the flat earth, but it just happened to come up. Um, do you have anything that you want to add? Do you have any social media you would like to plug? No, I don't I do not do social media. So I just hang out. And, okay. You know social media yes we do and, yes we do and this and the show has social media so uh, i'd like to give a shout out to my uh my co-host uh uh whose t- twitter handle is randy 147593350 randy you're gonna have to shorten that up a little bit just a little bit there's a lot of randys but you're the special one uh my personal twitter is at jcolo j-a-y-c-o-l-e-a-u that's one word jcolo and that's on Twitter. And our uh, our podcast page on Twitter is uh, Use Guys Pod. Y O U S E G U Y S P O D. Use Guys Pod. Uh, feel free to give us a follow. We are on Podbean. That's Use Guys and That Our email address is Use Guys and That. All one word. Use Guys and That at gmail.com. We are on iTunes as well. Uh, you can find us pretty much anywhere we're working on uh, getting iHeartRadio to approve our podcast. For whatever reason, I thought that Apple would be a lot slower. They turned out to be the fastest. Surprise. So uh, a shout out, of course, to um, our uh, our friends over at uh, Crime in the Coconut, uh, run by two very smart ladies who do true crime that we talked about earlier. Uh, shout out to my, uh, my friend, Sally Mayweather. Uh, he is Sal the Agorist on Twitter. Uh, uh, been a big help for me, at least talking to me and, uh, texting me, you know, when I've asked him questions about starting up this goddamn thing. Um, I can't think of anybody else at the moment. And of course, last, but certainly not least should have been first. My friend, Vermin Supreme, your future libertarian candidate for president. Uh, he is a rainbow anarchist, and uh, I am waiting on approval to be a delegate for our state Libertarian Party convention so that I can go down there and support the man who wears a boot upon his head. Hopefully, I can meet up with him and buy him the burrito that I promised for him and his pony. Um, check him out. Uh, Vermin Supreme is running for uh, for the presidency of the United States. He is promising uh, mandatory toothbrushing. Because he's the tyrant you can trust, and he's a friendly fascist. He's also going to make sure all of us get a free pony, and that will be doubled as our government ID. Uh, he is the. Uh, he's, <laughs> That's pretty good. He's and you can't eat the pony. Somebody already asked. It's unacceptable. Why would you want to eat the pony? <sighs> Listen, people suck. Anyway, <laughs> you, you people would eat the pony. Okay, they do terrible things to him. Well, no, that's their that's their ID. That's how it works. You can talk to Vermin when you run into him. I'm sure he has all this ironed out. All bullshit aside, if you follow him on Twitter and see the answers that he has, uh, that that he rather the tweets that he's answered about the issues. All of that aside, that just mentioned, he has seriously the most voluntarist, 
big tent ideas out of anybody that has run for office probably since the founding of this country. The man believes in community. The man believes in the big tent. So if you're an ANCOM, if you're a libertarian communist or a voluntarist or an ANCAP, whatever, like my, like our co-host and I talked about before on the last episode with uh, the, the shittiest audio you can imagine, you have my apologies for that. Uh, apparently I fucked it up, but I also got um, our sound girl to, uh, to, to go on strike. I got her back, though. She's back. So she'll be helping out in the future. I really don't do that much. That's okay. <laughs> but I got her back. Anyway, so uh, check him out. Uh, I really love the guy. He's a great follow. He's really funny. And he is sincerely uh, a genuine person. And uh, I'm glad to support him. And uh, I mean, I'm probably obviously not going to be voting in the general election. But if I were to vote for anybody, it would only be for Vermin Supreme or my dog. So with that, this is uh, the Fuck You Friday edition, the first Fuck You Friday edition of the Hey Use Guys in that podcast. We're looking forward to have Randy back. Remember, Randy, shorten up the fucking Twitter handle for us, bro. We love you. Uh, we love everybody. Give us a give us a shout or drop us an email or send a tweet to us. Give us a follow, download, subscribe, and spread the word. We appreciate everybody. And remember, every day is always a beautiful day for a revolution. Thank you very much. We'll see you later.